European Heart Journal, Issue at a Glance. Volume 44, Issue 2. Focus Issue, Ischemic Heart Disease. By Editor-in-Chief Professor Filippo Crea. Read to you by Morgan Bryan. Hot Topics in Ischemic Heart Disease. Polygenic Risk Scores, Coronary Microvascular Dysfunction, Myocardial Injury, and the Diagnostic Role of Imaging. This focus issue on ischemic heart disease contains a state-of-the-art review article entitled Polygenic Risk Scores for the Prediction of Cardiometabolic Disease. Jack O'Sullivan and Ewan Ashley from the Stanford University School of Medicine in Stanford, California, USA, and Perry Elliott from the UCL Institute of Cardiovascular Science in London, United Kingdom, reiterate that cardiometabolic diseases contribute more to global morbidity and mortality than any other group of disorders. Polygenic risk scores, or PRSs, the weighted summation of individually small effect genetic variants, represent an advance in our ability to predict the development and complications of several diseases, and of cardiometabolic diseases in particular. This article reviews the evidence supporting the use of PRSs in seven common cardiometabolic diseases. Coronary artery disease, or CAD, stroke, hypertension, heart failure and cardiomyopathies, obesity, atrial fibrillation, or AF, and type 2 diabetes mellitus, or T2DM. The data suggests that PRSs for CAD, AF, and T2DM consistently improve prediction when incorporated into existing clinical risk tools. In other areas, such as ischemic stroke and hypertension, clinical application appears premature, but emerging evidence suggests that the study of larger and more diverse populations, coupled with more granular phenotyping, will propel the translation of PRSs into practical clinical prediction tools. The use of biomarkers is undisputed in the diagnosis of primary myocardial infarction, or MI. In contrast, their value for identifying MI is more controversial in other settings, including the post-operative phase following coronary artery bypass grafting, or CABBAGE. In a state-of-the-art review article entitled Cardiac troponin release following coronary artery bypass grafting, mechanisms and clinical implications. Samuel Houts and colleagues from the Maastricht University Medical Center in the Netherlands note that to identify patients with periprocedural MI or PMI, several conflicting definitions of PMI have been proposed, relying either on cardiac troponin or CTN or on the MB isoenzyme creatine kinase with or without supporting evidence of ischemia. However, cabbage inherently induces the release of cardiac biomarkers, as reflected by significant CTN concentrations in patients with uncomplicated post-operative courses. Still, the underlying pathophysiological release mechanisms of CTN are incompletely understood, complicating adequate interpretations of post-operative increases in CTN concentrations. Therefore, the aim of the current review was to present the potential underlying mechanisms of CTN release in general and following cabbage in particular. Based on these mechanisms, 
dissimilarities in the release of CTNI and CTNT are discussed, with potentially important implications for clinical practice. Consequently, currently proposed CTN biomarker cutoffs by the prevailing definitions of PMI might warrant reassessment, with differentiation in cutoffs for the separate available assays and surgical strategies. To resolve these issues, future prospective studies are warranted to determine the prognostic influence of biomarker release in general and PMI in particular. Coronary microvascular dysfunction, or CMD, plays an important role in several cardiovascular diseases. It remains unknown, however, whether the presence of CMD correlates with its equivalent condition in the brain, cerebral small vessel disease, or CSVD. In a fast-track clinical research article entitled Coronary microvascular dysfunction is associated with impaired cognitive function, the Cerebral Coronary Connection Study, or C3 study. Hernan Mejia Rentaria and colleagues from the Hospital Clinico San Carlos, ADASSA, in Madrid, Spain, indicate that the C3 study, a prospective blinded study, investigated the prevalence of CMD in patients with CAD and its association with CSVD and cognitive function. Patients with documented CAD fulfilling inclusion criteria underwent physiological assessment of epicardial vessels and the microcirculation using intracoronary pressure and Doppler. Coronary microcirculation-related indices included coronary flow reserve, or CFR, and hyperemic microvascular resistance. Brain magnetic resonance imaging, transcranial Doppler, or TCD, and neurocognitive examination were obtained in all patients. Overall, 67 patients were included in the study, mean age 66 years, 73% female. Patients with abnormal CFR, less than 2.0, 55% of patients, showed a higher burden of white matter hyperintensities, 43.2% versus 20%, P equaling 0.044. After statistical adjustment, low CFR was associated with lower grey matter volume, P equaling 0.024, and with parameters of white matter microstructural damage in diffusion tensor imaging lower fractional anisotropy and higher mean diffusivity, P equaling 0.029 and P equaling 0.032 respectively. Low CFR was associated with higher resistive, P equaling 0.027, and pulsatility, P equaling 0.043 values on TCD, and worse, neurocognitive test scores. Lower mini mental state examination, P equaling 0.025, and slower trail-making test A, P equaling 0.034. Mejia Rentaria and colleagues conclude that coronary microcirculatory dysfunction is frequent in patients with CAD and correlates with CSVD, abnormal cerebral flow hemodynamics, and significant cognitive impairment. These findings support the hypothesis that microvascular dysfunction in the heart and the brain are part of a single pathological process affecting microcirculation in patients with CAD. The contribution is accompanied by an editorial by Carl Pepin from the University of Florida in Gainesville, Florida, USA, 
and Noel Berry Mertz from the Barbara Streisand Women's Heart Center in Los Angeles, California, USA. Pepin and Berry Mertz highlight that small vessel disease of the brain and heart have far-reaching clinical and economic implications. Pathophysiologically, both organs share common risk factors, e.g. hypertension, diabetes, dyslipidemia and ageing, and are likely to be affected by similar systemic inflammation, atherosclerosis, ischemia, vasospasm, microemboli and neuroendocrine dysfunction. There is increasing awareness that sex differences modify interactions, yet it's unclear whether the phenotype of myocardial ischemia resulting from CMD is linked with a similar brain condition, CSVD. They conclude by noting that as we seek treatment targets for both CSVD and CMD, at this time the best that we can conclude is true equals CMD is highly prevalent and true equals CSVD is highly prevalent. But we have limited evidence to support the hypothesis that they are related. Although the study by Hernan Mejia Renteria makes one step forward in this direction. In Clizerin, a small interfering RNA or siRNA administered twice yearly significantly reduced LDL cholesterol or LDLC in phase 3 trials. In a second fast-track clinical research article entitled Inclisirin and Cardiovascular Events A Patient-Level Analysis of Phase 3 Trials Kausik Ray and colleagues from Imperial College London in the United Kingdom note that it's not yet established if lowering LDLC with inclisirin translates into lower risk of cardiovascular or CV events. Patient-level pooled analysis of Orion 9, 10 and 11 included patients with heterozygous familial hypercholesterolemia, atherosclerotic CV disease or ASCVD, or ASCVD risk equivalent on maximally tolerated statin therapy, randomized one-to-one -to, -one to receive 284 milligrams of inclisirin or placebo on day one and 90, and six monthly thereafter for 18 months. The pre-specified exploratory endpoint of major cardiovascular events, or MACEs, included non-adjudicated CV death, cardiac arrest, non-fatal MI, and fatal and non-fatal stroke, evaluated as part of safety assessments using a standard medical dictionary for regulatory activities basket. Mean LDLC at baseline was 2.88 millimoles per litre. At day 90, the placebo-corrected percentage reduction in LDLC with inclisirin was 51%, peeing less than 0.0001. Among 3,655 patients over 18 months, 303, or 8.3%, experienced MACE. Inclisirin significantly reduced composite MACE, odds ratio 0.74. Rayatal conclude that their analysis offers early insights into the potential CV benefits of lowering LDLC with inclisirin and suggests potential benefits for MACE reduction. These findings await confirmation in the larger outcomes trials of longer duration. This manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Raul Santos and Viviane Rocha from the University of Sao Paulo Medical School Hospital in Brazil. They note that these study results 
should only be considered as hypothesis-generating, as they were not designed to determine the impact of inclusion on ASCVD outcomes. In addition, MACE were reported as adverse events, the events were not adjudicated, the incidence of MI and strokes was low, and follow-up was short. Despite the above limitations, these results trend similarly to the results of the studies with proprotein convertase subtilisin kexin type 9, or PCSK9 monoclonal antibodies, and are consistent with genetic studies supporting the clinical value of PCSK9 inhibition. The rates of events per year in the placebo group in the study by Ray et al. are high and occur despite the use of statins. These findings reinforce the need for additional therapies to reduce the so-called residual risk in similar populations. The risk may be driven by high atherosclerotic plaque burden, inflammation, comorbidities and other risk factors such as diabetes, smoking, elevated lipoprotein A or triglyceride-rich lipoprotein remnants, genetic variants and persistently elevated LDL-C. The authors conclude that the final chapter of the PCSK9 storybook is not written yet, but the study by Ray et al. suggests a good draft. If the outcomes are positive, greater access to this novel agent will provide the readers with a happy ending. Imaging plays a key role in the assessment of ischemic heart disease. In a clinical research article entitled Use of Cardiac Imaging in Chronic Coronary Syndromes, the Eureka Imaging Registry. Daniel Onelia and colleagues from the Fondazione Toscana G. Monasterio in Pisa, Italy, note that the prospective multicenter Eureka Registry assess the use of imaging and adoption of the European Society of Cardiology guidelines in patients with chronic coronary syndrome, or CCS. Between May 2019 and March 2020, 5,156 patients were recruited in 73 centres from 24 ESC member countries. The adoption of guideline recommendations was evaluated according to the clinical presentation and pretest probability, or PTP, of obstructive CAD. The mean age of the population was 64 years. 60% of patients were males, 42% had PTP greater than 15%, 27% had previous CAD, and ejection fraction was less than 50% in 5%. Exercise ECG was performed in 32% of patients, stress imaging as the first choice in 40%, and computed tomography coronary angiography, or CTCA, in 22%. Invasive coronary angiography, or ICA, was the first, or downstream, test in 17% and 11% respectively. Obstructive CAD was documented in 24% of patients, inducible ischemia in 19%, and 13% of patients underwent revascularization. In 44% of patients, the overall diagnostic process did not adopt the guidelines. These patients Referral to stress imaging, 21% versus 58%, PE being less than 0.001, or CTCA, 17% versus 30%, PE being less than 0.001, was less frequent, 
while exercise ECG, 43% versus 22%, PE being less than 0.001, and ICA, 48% versus 15%, PE being less than 0.001, were more frequently performed. The adoption of guidelines was associated with fewer ICAs, a higher proportion of diagnosis of obstructive CAD, 60% versus 39%, P being less than 0.001, and revascularization, 54% versus 37%, P being less than 0.001, a higher quality of life, less additional testing, and longer times to revascularization. Nelia et al. conclude that in patients with CCS, current clinical practice does not adopt guideline recommendations on the use of diagnostic tests in a significant proportion of patients. When the diagnostic approach adopts guideline recommendations, invasive procedures are less frequently used and the diagnostic yield and therapeutic utility are superior. The contribution is accompanied by an editorial by Peter von der Bell, Jan Stassen and Jeroen Bax from the Leiden University Medical Center in the Netherlands. The authors highlight that the results from the Eureka Registry expose the fact that there remains a fairly large gap between best practice, as recommended by the ESC guideline, and real-life clinical practice, as far as cardiac imaging use for chronic coronary syndromes is concerned. The primary reasons for non-adherence include an over-reliance on exercise ECG and invasive coronary angiography, with underutilization of cardiac imaging. Use of invasive angiography as the first-line test appears to have been influenced by the perceived high risk constituted by being male, older, and having a family history of CAD, dyslipidemia, and prior revascularization. While one can speculate that over-reliance on exercise ECG was probably due to historic trends or an overestimation of its diagnostic accuracy. Non-adherence to the guideline was not due to the lack of availability of multimodality imaging at the participating centres, and therefore strategies should be developed to improve adherence to the existing guideline. The information obtained from the Eureka Registry will be useful as feedback to the ESC task force which compile the guideline when preparing the next iteration. The issue is also complemented by two discussion forum contributions. In a commentary entitled Cardiac Troponin Elevation After Coronary Artery Bypass Graft Improving Risk Stratification Matteo Amelotta, Alberto Foa and Carmine Pizzi from the University of Bologna in Italy comment on the recent publication High Sensitivity Cardiac Troponin I After Coronary Artery Bypass Grafting for Postoperative Decision Making by Hazem Omran from the Ruhr Universität Bochum in Bad Oeynhausen, Germany. Omran et al. respond in a separate comment. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will be of interest to its listeners.